Welcome to Anorak, the happy podcast for kids. We have questions, we have experts to answer them, and we also have some jokes. Why was the artist afraid he might go to jail? Because he'd been framed. We are off to the museums. I like the colour museum in Eastbourne. It's called the Towner. I really like the big colours and there's a cinema at it. My favourite thing about going was to see all the colours because I really like colours. And it's near the seaside. If you ever go to Eastbourne, you won't miss it. There's the ginormous colourful wall out there. Have fun! Kia ora, uh, Morena from Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Dr. Rebecca Rice. I'm a curator of historical New Zealand art at the Museum of New Zealand Te Papa Tongariwa, and that is in Wellington in New Zealand. I started work at Te Papa about 10 years ago, and I studied for a long time before that to get the qualifications I needed to to have that role. I took a degree in art history, I did my PhD in art history, and um, then I was really lucky to get this position because there's not many jobs like this in New Zealand, which is a very small country. My job's got lots of different aspects to it, which is one of the reasons I love it so much. As a curator at Te Papa, I'm responsible for building the collection, so I get to buy work for the collection or accept gifts or donations from people for the collection. So that feels really special, bringing things into the National Collection of Art that will stay there for hundreds of years, hopefully. So that means I have to do a lot of research, both into the artworks, where they came from, who they belong to, who the artist was, what they're about. So I do a lot of research into the artworks, both ones that I want to buy for the collection and works that are already in the collection. When I was growing up, both of my parents are educators, communicators, and my dad was also a painter in his spare time. So I think I always was very aware of art and of making art. I used to collect things and organise them. So I had a shell collection that I made a drawer and little labels for that and kept it under my bed. I think it's still at my parents' house. So I think that idea of loving art and then loving this idea of kind of organising things and thinking about the relationships between things, which is what we do do in a museum and in a gallery with exhibition making, was something that was there right from the beginning. And then, as I said, both of my parents were kind of teachers and communicators and that's something that is a really important aspect of my role as well. So Te Papa is a really fascinating institution because it is a museum and an art gallery, a very big collection that is dedicated to the treasures of the Māori people. And that includes wood carvings, it includes ponamu or greenstone pendants and jewellery, 
but it also includes more everyday taonga or treasures such as the clothing that people wore. And some of those are beautiful cloaks made with feathers, woven from muka, made from flax. And the other thing, the thing that I do get involved with as an art historian is the collection of pictures and representations of Māori people because, you know, when people meet each other, they're always very curious and because those artists like William Hodges that came out with Captain Cook were expected to share what they encountered when they went back to the UK, they made lots of pictures of people around the Pacific as well. Hi, my name is Jude. I'm eight years old and I live in Beckenham. How long have you done your job? I've been lucky enough to do this job for 10 years, but it took a lot of work to be able to get this job. Before I got the job at Te Papa, I had done a degree in art history. I'd done postgraduate research, did my PhD, and I did lots of little jobs while I was studying to get lots of different skills that would enable me to get the job that I really wanted. What's the expensivest picture? Oh, wow. Well, um, there are some secrets I can't tell you, (laughs) Jude, but we do have a lot of expensive artworks in the collection. And perhaps what I'll tell you about is the most expensivest painting that I've ever acquired for Te Papa, because that is something that we had to share with the public when we bought it. So back in 2015, I bought a picture for 1.5 million New Zealand dollars. So I think if you're talking in British pounds, that's probably about 600,000 British pounds, which still sounds like a lot of money. But when you get into the millions, that sounds like more. And that painting was a painting that was made in 1860. So it's about, what, 150 years old. And it was by an artist, William Strutt. And that painting was really important and special to us because it pictured a scene from the beginnings of the New Zealand Wars, which was a fight between the settlers and the Māori as they were trying to kind of battle out who was going to have their rights or the ownership over land. So it's a really important painting. It's a beautiful painting, but also tells us a lot about the history of this place and some of the troubles, I guess, that we've had in the past. What is your favourite picture? I've got lots of favourites, so it was really hard to think of which favourite to talk about right now. But I did want to make sure that I talked about a female artist because um, there are lots of older white men that feature in the works that I research because I primarily work with historical paintings. So I think that I'm going to say that my favourite painting is by Margaret Stoddart. She was an artist that was born in New Zealand in about 1860. She trained in Christchurch in Canterbury, that's in the South Island of New Zealand. And when she was training, the students at the art school studied botanical art as well as different techniques of painting and sculpture. And so a lot of Margaret's paintings are beautiful pictures of the flora of New Zealand. And one of my favourites is a painting that had the title Yellow Blossom and Rosemary, But when I looked closely, I thought, it doesn't really look like blossom. That doesn't quite look like rosemary. So the nice thing about Te Papa is I could talk to some of our botanists on staff. And I said, Leon, Carlos, does this look like yellow blossom to you? And they said, no, it looks like gorse. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I loved this idea that this lady painter, this painter of beautiful flowers and roses and chrysanthemums and anemones, had chosen to put gorse on a beautiful vase and then spend hours painting this beautiful, delicate picture. Because I don't know about in the United Kingdom or other places, but in New Zealand, gorse is now quite a weed. And it grows in places where we want the native bush to regenerate, but it grows first and fastest and most furious. So I just love that kind of paradox of something made really beautiful out of something that we consider to be a weed and a bit of a, I guess, a scar on the landscape today. Although it is quite beautiful when it's in flower. I think it's my favourite painting for those reasons, that it shows how artists can transform something that's quite ordinary into something quite magical. I also like the fact that it makes us think about the world around us, which I think is also a great power of art. For me, that's when artworks really do their job, is when they look lovely, but when they also make us think. That is really what Margaret's done with that painting. What's the oldest picture? New Zealand is not a very old colony. Pākehā or Europeans have been here coming and going for about the last 250 years. Māori have been here for longer. But the oldest picture picturing New Zealand that I thought I'd use to answer this question is by William Hodges, who was on the second voyage with Captain Cook to the Pacific from 1772 to 1775. So we have a painting that's called Waterfall in Dusky Bay with Māori Canoe that he painted in 1776. So if you do that math, it's 246 years old, which I know might not sound so old compared to some of the European and British paintings, but for a New Zealand painting of a New Zealand subject, it's pretty darn old. My name is Naima Joy Keith. I'm based in Los Angeles, California, and I'm also from Los Angeles. And I am the Vice President of Education and Public Programs at LACMA, otherwise known as the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. I'm always amazed at how artists are inspired by the world around them. And the great thing about looking at art is that hopefully it inspires you. My job is really fun because I like thinking about the types of experiences that people, but especially kids, have at the museum. I like to think about how we can make kids feel welcome and kids feel special at the museum and kids feel comfortable. It's exciting for me to think about how can I connect the work on view with the audience that's coming because that's what makes the lasting impact. Hello, my name's Elia. I'm 10 years old and I live in Italy. What is the museum where you work called? I work at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Here we call it LACMA for short, so L-A-C-M-A. It is one of the largest museums on the West Coast, and it is Los Angeles' kind of main museum, if you will. When you walk into an art museum, typically what you see are works of art that are often separated by what we call exhibitions. So exhibitions are different types of shows that are oftentimes either organized under a certain theme or organized by time. So when you walk into a museum, oftentimes you'll see titles for different shows or exhibitions that people can explore and learn about that particular topic. We have a number of exhibitions that I think kids would love. 
everything from an exhibition called Black American Portraits, which looks at the history of portraiture, which is essentially when an artist makes a work of a face of a figure. So there's over 150 works of art in that show called Black American Portraits. And then we also just opened up a show called City of Cinema, which looks at the early days of movies. And it's really cool because you can see very early machines that people used to not just make movies, but show movies. One of our most famous pieces right in front of the museum is called Urban Light. And it's made of all these different lampposts. And people love to take pictures in front of it and swing on them and you can touch them. And it's really amazing because it's a collection of lampposts from all over the city. So it's a great way to, to think about traveling to the city, even though you're standing right in the same place. How many items are there in the museum? There is what is on view, i.e. what the audience can see. And there's also what is in our permanent collection, which is basically all of the things that the museum owns and is responsible for taking care of, but might not necessarily be available to the public at that moment. There are probably thousands of works of art that people can see at any time, but I definitely know that we have hundreds of thousands of works in our permanent collection. And those works get shown based on when a curator wants to, or the person organizing the show wants to include them in an exhibition. How do you choose the items to put in the museum? Curators or people who are responsible for caring for works of art, and they also organize exhibitions, oftentimes choose the works of art in the show either based on a theme or based on uh, the time period of which the show is covering. So if the theme of the show is how to make pizza, then the curator would choose works of art that talk about dough or about how pizzas were made originally or where the idea for the pizza originally came from or how long you have to keep it in the pizza oven. So you're selecting works that help demonstrate that theme, help people understand the theme a little bit better. Those themes are often chosen by the curator's interest. So if a curator in school studied Greek art or Latin American art or art from a certain time period, like the 1900s, then their shows will be focused on that area of interest. What is your favorite picture? One of the paintings that I really like is a work by an artist. Her name is Amy Sherald. And there is a work called An Ocean Away. And basically what it is, it's two people. It looks like it's either a father and a son or they're related somehow. And they're on the beach and they're holding two surfboards. It's a very large painting, but it's a beautiful painting in the colors and the size. It's one of the first things you see when you walk into the Black American Portraits exhibition. A lot of museums have free memberships, tickets for kids. And I would ask your parents to take you to as many different types of museums as possible so that you can really get a sense of what you like. Do you like paintings? Do you like photographs? Do you like large sculptures? What colors do you see? What inspires you? What painting can you just not get out of your head? So right now, I would really just encourage you to try and see as much art as possible. Art is all around you. A lot of cities have outdoor art that you could just walk by and you could see and spend as much time with as you want. And it's free. Take the opportunity to take in as much artwork as you can. And then also not be afraid to express yourself creatively. 
you can draw and paint on, I would say pretty much everything. You obviously have to ask your parents, so maybe not on the walls, but I mean, just in terms of not being afraid to use color and to just draw from your imagination and your creativity. Hi, my name's Tom, and I'm from MOPA, Museum of Play and Art. Together with my team, it is our job to build the world's best children's museums, and we love what we do. Museum of Play and Art is a children's museum, and there are lots and lots of different types of museums in the world, but specifically children's museums are built and cater to children and the opportunities and the demands of a younger audience. We have lots of different things you can do at the Museum of Play and Art. Some of them are permanent exhibits. And an example is that uh, we have a real car that we park in the yard at MOPA and we encourage children to paint that car with real paint and they can paint anything they want anywhere they want on that car. And that's an example of a permanent exhibit. In summary, we do lots of self-orientated and explorative play so children can come to MOPA and explore and do whatever they want, whenever they want. But then we also have some structure for those children that might want to participate in some of those activations that come and go at MOPA so that there's always something new to do and our members that come very often we can still have a brand new experience. Opening the doors in the morning, every morning, is by far the most rewarding part of this entire journey so far. And we still love it to this day, even after doing it you know, nearly a thousand times at our first children's museum and soon for the first time at our second. It just brings the most incredible feeling of joy and satisfaction to see a little person come through the door of Mopan and stick their head beneath or beside the entranceway and get a sneak peek at what's inside and to see the smile creep across their face and their eyes light up is truly the most rewarding experience. Why did you choose to curate a museum? Was there a story behind it? Absolutely is a story. My wife and I have two young children. And we had the opportunity to do some travel with our young children, Eddie and Rafferty. And as we travelled the world, we had the amazing opportunity to see some of the most incredible learning environments in places like San Diego and Hong Kong. And uh, there's a new children's museum in Rome even. And so when we returned home from our travels, we would often ask ourselves and long for similar experiences here at home in Melbourne, Australia. And so it became obvious over time that we needed to build our own. And so we did. That's the story. What do you feel like were some of the best pieces you chose for your museum? What a fantastic question. MOPA's exhibits are really curated to provide the best possible learning opportunities. And so I'd have to say the exhibits we're most proud of and the best pieces, as your question states, are really those that are the most fun. And there's lots of reasons that I think and our audience think that they're the best. But fundamentally, it's because of a really key insight about MOPA and about our Children's Museum in particular, and that is that when we are playful and when we're having fun, 
We're also best primed. Our minds are in the best possible position you could hope for your mind to be in to learn. And so uh, whilst our exhibits vary, we have so many different activities come and go and lots of permanent exhibits at MOPA. The very best ones, I have to say, are the ones that are the most fun because typically they are the ones that the children will engage most with and for the longest with. But as an outcome of that, they will also be enriched the most from that experience also and have the best educational opportunities. So really, the best pieces are the ones that are the most fun. One of my favourites, though, I'd have to say, is called the Zoom Room. And the Zoom Room is a large room full of all of the biggest car tracks that you can imagine that even I, as a grown man, (laughs) still get great enjoyment from playing with myself. It's really something that's almost, I would describe as primal enjoyment. And that is zooming cars that I've made down giant tracks that are even far taller than I am as an adult. We get to build different cars. We get to add different wheels. We get to build them higher or longer or wider. And that changes things like their weight, which in turn changes things like their velocity, the way that they might interact with the sides of the tracks, the speed that they'll travel down the tracks versus a car that a friend or another family member might have built, which might be very similar, but just a little bit different. And that gives us the opportunity to have a discussion about why that car might have travelled a little bit differently, which is an enormously rich learning opportunity, but also just a hell of a lot of fun. What is your favourite colour and why do you like it so much? Do you even know? It's a really difficult question. I'd have to say, though, I'm going to tell you that I have a least favourite colour, and that's probably red. I'm not exactly sure why red isn't a favourite. It might be because I have a lean to blue, and the shirt I'm wearing today is blue. I generally like blue, and red's a primary opposite, so that might be it. But also it might be because uh, red is typically associated with anger, and I don't like being angry very much and I don't like being around other people that might be angry and that's not to say that I don't get angry or the people around me don't get angry because we all get angry so that might be why. Do you make art yourself? Also if you do do you make art about your real life surroundings? What a terrific question and it's actually quite difficult to answer but also simple and easy to answer at the same time. In short, absolutely yes. And I think most people in different versions of the definition are creative and do create art. Certainly what we do at MOPA, almost everything that we do has a creative and artful element. But we are very passionate about our space and what we call the aesthetics of that space, the design And so every single minute detail of our existing children's museums and the ones that we're building have to be designed. And that is the part of the journey that my wife and I love the most. So we do lots of artful things from everything, from the big details to the little details, like the colour of the smocks that we might buy for our visitors to paint in to the uh, museum's website or even the design of the exhibits, which is much more holistic and a bigger project. It's all very artful. It's all very creative. Absolutely, I'd say that we make lots and lots of art every single day. And then outside of work too, my wife and my two children are also 
in particular, very creative in a more traditional sense. And they do lots of creative arts, lots of craft, lots of collage in particular. But our whole family uh, have a strong tendency towards the creative arts, yes. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you have an inquisitive mind and you like to learn. And perhaps a passion for learning and to seek answers is one of the most incredible attributes that clearly you all already have. And so all I can say is keep being inquisitive and keep exploring because the world is such an incredible place and you have such a bright future ahead of you. Keep turning the pages and learning and you will write a beautiful story of your own. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. And now a message for the grown-ups. Be sure to stay up to date with our happy podcast series by subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like it that much, feel free to leave a review. Follow our happy news by visiting anorakmagazine.com where you can become a patron and register your child to be a little podcaster for our next series. Oh, and we are on Instagram too at anorakmag. See you soon. Goodbye.